Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? It is the 16th this morning, and we have a beautiful morning out here. The humidity is, I know it's dropping because I can sure feel it early in the morning when I get up. And the window's open in it for the first time. <laughs> you don't feel like it's, you know, the heat from outside is just pouring in. It's down to 74%. It was like 77 yesterday, so we keep dropping daily. This is a good sign. Well, we are in Ezekiel 3 and 4 this morning, 1 Timothy 3. Hope you guys had a chance to jump in on the live feed last night at uh, going through the first couple of chapters of Nehemiah. Really interesting stuff there. So let's go ahead and pray and let's get into the word this morning. Thank you, Lord God, for this beautiful morning you've given us. And we do ask God that you would now show us these truths in your word and the, the prophecies God didn't help us uh, draw out the, the interpretation and the application here in, in these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Ezekiel 3, let me get my verse 1. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he fed me this scroll. He said to me, Son of man, feed your stomach and fill your body with this scroll which I am giving you. Then I ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not being sent to a people of unintelligible speech or difficult language, but to the house of Israel, nor to many peoples of unintelligible speech or difficult language whose words you cannot understand. But I have sent you to them who should listen to you. Yet the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, since they are not willing to listen to me. Surely the whole house of Israel is stubborn and obstinate. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery, harder than flint. I made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them or be dismayed before them, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, take into your heart all my words, which I will speak to you and listen closely. Go to the exiles, to the sons of your people, and speak to them and tell them whether they listen or not. Thus says the Lord God. Verse 12, Then the Spirit lifted me up and heard a great rumbling sound behind me. Blessed be the glory of the Lord in his place. And I heard the sound of wings of the living beings touching one another, and the sound of wheels beside them, even a great rumbling sound. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went embittered in rage in my spirit, and the hand of the Lord was strong on me. Then I came to the exiles who lived beside the river Chabar, to tell Abib. And I sat there seven days where they were living, causing consternation among them. 
At the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. When I say to the wicked, you will surely die, and you will not warn him or speak out to warn the wicked from his wicked way that he may live, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, and his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you have warned the wicked and he does not turn from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered yourself again. When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I place an obstacle before him, he will die. Since you have not warned him, he shall die in his sin, and his righteous deeds, which he has done, shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. However, if you have warned the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took warning, and you have delivered yourself. The hand of the Lord was on me there. And he said to me, get up, go out to the plain, and there I will speak to you. So I got up and went out to the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord was standing there, like the glory which I saw by the river Chebar. And I fell on my face. The Spirit then entered me and made me stand on my feet, and he spoke with me, and he said to me, go, shut yourself up in your house. As for you, son of man, they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so that you cannot go out among them. Moreover, I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth so that you will be mute and cannot be a man who rebukes them, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak to you, I will open your mouth and you will say to them, Thus says the Lord God, He who hears, let him hear, and he who refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. Chapter 4. Now you, son of man, get yourself a brick, place it before you, and inscribe a city on it, Jerusalem, and lay siege against it, build a siege wall, raise it up, raise up a ramp, pitch camps, and place battering rams against it all around. Then get yourself an iron plate and set it up as an iron wall between you and the city, and set your face towards it so that it is under siege, and besiege it. This is a sign of the house of Israel. As for you, lie down on your left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel on it. You shall bear the iniquity for a number of days that you lie on it. For I have assigned you a number of days corresponding to the years of their iniquity, 390 days. Thus you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. When you have completed these, you shall lie down a second time, but on your right side, and bear the iniquity of the house of Judah. I have assigned it to you for 40 days, a day for each year. Then you shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem with your arm bared and prophesying against it. Now behold, I will put ropes on you so that you cannot turn from one side to the other until you have completed the days of your siege. Verse 9, but as for you, take wheat, barley, beans, lentils, millet, and spelt, put them in one vessel, and make them into bread for yourself. You shall eat it according to the number of days that you lie on your side, 390 days. Your food, which you shall eat, be 20 shekels a day by weight. You shall eat it from time to time.
The water you drink shall be the sixth part of a hen by measure. You shall drink it from time to time. You shall eat it as a barley cake, having baked it in their sight over human dung. Then the Lord said, Thus will the sons of Israel eat their bread unclean among the nations where I will banish them. But I said, Ah, Lord, behold, I have never been defiled. For from my youth until now, I have never eaten what is dead of itself or was torn by beasts, nor has any unclean meat ever entered my mouth. Then he said to me, See, I will give you cow's dung in place of human dung over which you will prepare your bread. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, behold, I am going to break the staff of bread in Jerusalem, and they will eat bread by weight and with anxiety, and drink water by measure and in horror. Because bread and water will be scarce, and they will be appalled with one another, and waste away in their iniquity. Oh, well, that's quite the, quite the prophecy given to Ezekiel, the one man who's encouraged to lay down on the job. He has to demonstrate to Israel the siege which is coming upon them. You see, he's in Babylon, but uh, at this time the siege is not completed against Jerusalem, and they are going to continue to suffer. There's three different deportations that happen in Jerusalem until they're finally completely transported over to Babylon. And he is there receiving these prophecies from God, describing how rebellious Israel is. God has given them three chances, essentially, to stop their idolatry and stop their rebellion and come back to him. And he knows they're not. So he's saying, this is what you need to do and show them what they're going to endure. They're going to endure a long siege to the point where there'll be very, very little to eat, very little to drink. And the whole thing about the bread, essentially, they would be brought into Babylon where they were going to be eating the, the food uh, from the unclean nation of Babylon and the idolaters, and they will no longer be in their homeland, and they can't eat kosher anymore. <laughs> so it's going to be a long battle. And so Ezekiel is given this prophecy to tell the people now that they're supposed to be doing now the advantage of everything Ezekiel's doing is if they would receive the word, if they would hear it, then God would relent and he would save them. He would stop, forego the rest of his judgment. But he says they're, they're hardening their hearts. And also, of course, you see the high uh, calling of a prophet and how responsible they were. He didn't ask to be a prophet, but God says, if you don't warn them, Essentially, I'm going to hold you accountable for murder. First Timothy 3, 1 through 16. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceful, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? 
and not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation, incurred by the devil. He must have a good reputation of those outside the church, so that he will not fall into reproach. Deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine, and not fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested, and then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standard and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. I love how he brings the theology into the practical. He's telling the church, this is, this is the high calling that we have in serving within the church. And essentially, we all are called to serve within the church. So a deacon is, is one who is active in serving in the church, much like the Levites were there to help the sons of Aaron. And he says, look, this is how your life should be ordered so that your ministry or testimony in your home is as strong as it is in church. And so the idea is if you're ministering well to your family, then they are going to follow after the Lord. Your home essentially is your, your mini church. You are ministering there to your family and you're a testimony to your community and your neighbors. So you manage your house well and you manage your kids well. And this is the, the high calling we have. I once had somebody, a new believer, we were talking about this and about our testimony and living before our neighbors and stuff. And they said, I don't think it's any of their business. I don't think they should have, I don't think you should really have to worry about what my neighbors think about me. And uh, it's not fair. And I said, no, it's not about fair. It's about what God calls us to. Essentially, we're to live in a glass house where they can see that the Lord is good. They can see that it is a beautiful thing to live a life where we allow the Lord God to guide and direct our steps. And in that, then God can reach them. The, the strongest gospel message that we have to our neighbors most of the time is going to be the way we live, not the words we say. Because many of them don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. Don't preach to me. But you can preach with your life. And when they're hurting and when things are going wrong, you'll be the one they come to without having ever said a word to them. Because obviously, open your mouth, share the word if, if you can. But if you're like me, some of your neighbors just don't want to hear it. Uh, and as far as the kids go, 
it's, it's a tough thing. It's a really tough thing. Our kids are in school and get more exposure to the teachers oftentimes than they do to us. So the kids are going to form their worldviews on the adults that they're around more. And if we're not around our kids enough, talking to them enough, they're going to adopt the worldview of the secular teachers and people that are around them. So it, um, it's a high calling. It is a high calling. We have to continue to invest in our children. And it's extremely important that we men are involved in our kids, in their lives. And they know our worldview and they know how much we love the Lord and we have to show it to them. And in that, generally speaking, they will follow the Lord themselves. Okay, Charles Spurgeon. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. Isaiah fifty four seventeen. There is a great clatter of the forges and the smithies of the enemy. They are making weapons wherewith to smite the saints. They could not even do as much as this if the Lord of saints would not allow them, for he has created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire. But see how busily they labor, how many swords and spears they fashion. It matters nothing, for on the blade of every weapon you may read this inscription, it shall not prosper. But now listen to another noise. It is the strife of tongues. Tongues are more terrible instruments than can be made with hammers and anvils. And the evil which they inflict cuts deeper and spreads wider. What will become of us now? Slander, falsehood, insinuation, ridicule. These are poisoned arrows. How can we meet them? The Lord God promises us that if we cannot silence them, we shall at least escape from being ruined by them. They condemn us for the moment, but we shall condemn them at last and forever. The mouth of them that speaks lies shall be stopped, and their falsehoods shall be turned to the honor of those good men who suffered by them. So there you go. Keep the faith. Although the world and people around you may attack you, can the, your, your neighbors may condemn you or say things against you. No weapon fashioned against you shall stand, shall prosper. God will vindicate us. And um, our job is to be steadfast and immovable. Hold our tongue. Be slow to speak. <laughs> slow to react. It's a challenge for some of us guys, especially... Well, I guess ladies should get it too. And uh, wait on the Lord and let him be your defense. Good words. Well, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for the, the insight into your, your plan for salvation. And as we always say every morning, your heart for mankind. And that you are constantly trying to get our attention and trying to focus us on that which is important, that which is internal, eternal, and that which is, for us, the right direction of the way to go. And that is to grow in respect to our relationship with you and let you 
be our guide and our defense. And let you be our shield. And also, God, you give us the understanding that there is judgment coming upon the world for those which continually will fight against you, reject you. Over and over, you've shown us that the, the judgment will always come where sin prevails and rebelliousness and wickedness. Yet you always provide a way of escape. Always. And what we need to do is just simply accept the words at face value for what you say. And then fall on our face, pray, ask forgiveness, and then watch you deliver us. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're continuing to do. We do pray for now that the IDF is there deep in the heart of Gaza, that in these tunnels I'll be able to find those captives, God, so that they can set them free. Can't imagine what it would be like to be down there for so many weeks and have that kind of difficulty trying to survive. So we ask for your deliverance upon them and uh, your grace to be poured out upon them and also, God, for this warning. And thank you for those that you're healing. Pray that Dean is continuing to be able to get up and move around now, work again, and all those that are waiting upon their healing from you. So we pray these things and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, guys, thank you. We will pick this up again tomorrow, same time. See you then. Bye-bye.